So again, if you're visiting with us, what we did is these, for the last two months, we've just challenged all of us who are part of K2 to take our already existing Christmas budget and just have a conversation with God and start to pray to him and talk amongst our family members and decide what percentage of our Christmas budget that we are going to do, take out of just sweaters and toys and fun things for each other and actually give to people who have real needs around the world. And, um, and I just want to say, K2, you rock. You guys ready for what you did? Um, you guys, by giving this little portion to those who are in need, you ended up giving $43,242. That is so cool. You know, and, and here's, what, here's what's awesome. is uh, How many of you are still excited about what you're giving on, in two days? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you still got great presents and you can't wait to give them to your kids and your spouses. I mean, we're still blessing each other and I'm excited about that. But just because we took time to have a little bit of a radical change, a dramatic change in the way Christmas worked, and all of us just took a little portion, we get to make a dramatic change in people's lives right here in our own city, right here in our own congregation, and all around the world. Every area that we were going to work with, helping our own people right here at K2, thousands of dollars to help people who are struggling just because of losing jobs and needing homes and helping with rent and utilities and food. We now have over $5,000 more to give to people right in our own community. The, the, the refugees, the people who got taken out of their comfort and their, their homes and the, what's familiar to them and got brought over here into Salt Lake City and have to get transitioned into this culture. We now have thousands of dollars for our after-school program to help those kids in this transition. Uh, there's every area, Honduras, over $7,000 now to, to be able to help kids uh, in the church that we support put in a new industrial stove so they can really cook meals for these children. We're going to be able to take care of 150 of them for a month uh, with the finances you put in. It's just exciting. And I will share with you the, the, the coolest one um, that, that many of you gave to is this, is 3 for 5, which is an organization that brings clean water to the world. We are actually going, with the donations that you guys gave, we are going to be able to provide a community, a whole community, with a well that will supply them with clean water for life. Is that not cool? That's just awesome. You know, and in addition to that, 1,200 more families are going to have years, a year's worth of clean water. And, and all you did was not get a sweater. You know, and, and your kids missed out on one more thing from, from Toys R Us. And we're changing the world. Isn't that cool? That's just fantastic. Now, so we ask ourselves, why did we do this? Why did we decide to have a love illusion with Christmas? You guys, the reason we did is because when Jesus came into the world, he started a love illusion. He came into the world and he drastically just changed the whole mindset of what it, can I just say, of what it is to be human. He finally showed us What it's like for a human being to be full and complete and loving and selfless and to care. And it changed the world. I mean, we're all sitting here because of one guy born into this world. And see, what happens is when he, when Jesus Christ actually comes into your life, it does. It causes a dramatic change to take place. You have a love illusion. And so we had this love illusion that came with Christmas. Jesus came, and why we're celebrating Christmas, he came to give his life away so that you and I could be free to give our life away. And that is why we celebrate Christmas. He gives us life so we can give life. And man, it's, it's so worth 
everything we've got to worship him today. I'm so glad you're here again just to celebrate and remember the birth of Christ. And if you're here visiting and checking us out, welcome. You honor us. You literally honor us by being joining with us today. And for all of you who are part of K2, so good to be here as family to just worship the one who's given us life, right? So let me just uh, read for you a a scripture as we start off. Um, There weren't bells. I actually looked up the history of bells as well. Bells didn't come until a couple hundred years after Christ, as far as my um, uh, research showed me. So bells didn't uh, announce the coming of someone great or some amazing thing that was going to be coming. And it was much more than bells. It was angels. Angels. God literally sent angelic beings to announce the birth of his son. Let's read about it in Luke chapter 2. It says, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, because I bring you... Really, really good news. Like, I, can I just tell you, I can't wait. I, I, what we wanted to do, and maybe we'll do this later, I can't wait uh, for the recipients of these funds that we're going to be able to give to them. When we tell them, listen, you are going to have a whole community who hasn't had clean water. You're going to have that now. See, that's like, that's good news. We're going to help you transition out of, out of the culture that you've been into to help you make the, a, a move into life and understanding what God has for you. There's so much good news that we're going to be able to proclaim just out of the small sacrifice that you guys gave to give $43,000 into this world. And the angels came and they said, man, I'm bringing you like really good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I'm telling you, man, every year we have Christmas, it should cause us to have Great joy for all of us. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And he is Christ, which means the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You're going to find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God. And they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace among men with whom he is well pleased. Peace among men. And I tell you, you guys, when I think about why did Jesus come, this is Christmas right here. Christmas was Jesus coming into a world that was hurting. He came into a world that was broken. A couple years ago, I read some stuff about what was actually going on in the Roman Empire during the time that Christ came. And it was just... It almost made my stomach turn. Because what was happening in that culture at that time was, was the self, this self-centered life, the self-imposed just worship, really, of, of people was taking over them. And see, what happens is when everybody's hearts get bent towards themselves, it just causes a lot of brokenness. It causes heaviness for your own heart because you're consumed with you. Two people try to love each other, but they can't because they can't reach out to one another. All the brokenness that we're going to help with our $43,000 comes all the way back to the fact that people's hearts are just broken. We just don't work the way that we're supposed to. And Jesus came into that world and he said, you know what? This is Christmas. I'm going to overcome this world. See, you guys, the world that you and I live in, it constantly lures us to make us think about ourselves. It somehow lies to us to get us to think that if I'll live, watch out for me and if I'll think about me first, that my life will be better. 
And it's the biggest lie. Because when we think about ourselves first, it actually is what causes all the conflict around us. And then the whole community we're in, whether it's your marriage, your family, or your workplace, or even nations, we all get in this conflict because we're consumed with ourselves. So Jesus comes in, he says, hey, you guys, guess what? In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And so he comes in and he says, how did Jesus overcome the world? He lived in a completely opposite way than the world. He lived selflessly. He served. He sacrificed. He never thought about himself, but he always did whatever his Father in heaven wanted him to do. And he always blessed everybody that he came around. And you know what it did? It caused a revolution. It started a dramatic change in the way that life can happen. And again, I think what happened is the world finally saw what humanity could be. What a human being could be if their life was connected to God. It'll change the world. So you guys, Christmas started with love and it started with a gift, right? The classic verse that we all see with a guy with a rainbow hair in the end of the uh, uh, football field, John 3.16, says, For God so loved. And because he loved, what did he do? He gave. I heard a, a friend of mine told me this last year. It's just so stuck with me. He said, you can actually be generous and not loving. It's possible. He goes, but you cannot be loving and not be generous. If you love, you're generous. And just think about it. Those of you who are excited in a couple days to give the gifts that you had. I mean, if you love your spouse, if you love your kids, didn't you want to be generous? <laughs> didn't you want to bless them with gifts? See, that's just what happens when you love. When you love, you give. And uh, Jesus, what I love is he showed us that God, God is the greatest giver of all. So the whole thing you're going to celebrate and then we're going to celebrate with my family here in a couple days of giving gifts, it all stems from God giving good gifts. And you know what's great? Let me ask you, how many of you are actually excited about opening gifts on Christmas Day? All right? Okay, good. More than kids rose their hand. Excellent. All right. You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, it's kind of funny growing up now and, uh, and being a dad, because I remember as a kid, my dad never got good gifts. Anybody else? <laughs> and uh, yeah, my wife's laughing because I, I know what it feels like. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. I'm not true. No, but it was so funny because my dad would always, he, he never wanted anything, you know? So we got like socks and stuff. And uh, he and my mom would always have an agreement. You know, hey, we're not going to give gifts to each other this year. We're going to give them to the kids. And then my dad would always sneak and give my mom something. And then my dad would never have anything. And, but I'll be honest with you, as I'm growing up, I, I don't know if I think as much about what I'm going to get. I, I really do enjoy the giving to kids just like you guys do. But it was really interesting. Uh, two days ago, I was at a luncheon for a group of pastors here in the valley. There were about 30 of us there together. And uh, the guy who hosted the luncheon asked all of us to stand up and to share our most favorite Christmas memory. And it was really interesting because as every guy stood up, definitely more than half of them, their favorite Christmas memory was a gift they got. How many of you right now can think of a special gift that you got that meant something to you on Christmas? Okay, it's crazy. Like, as soon as he said, share a favorite Christmas memory, I know mine right off the bat. I think I was around fifth grade. And um, do you guys remember the JCPenney catalogs that came out? Yeah. You got anybody else? Now I'm showing how old I am. 
Okay, so there were these really big, thick catalogs that would come out from JCPenney. And as soon as they did, what we would do is we'd grab scissors. We'd go right to the toy section, right? And we'd grab our scissors and we'd cut out the things we want and we'd paste them onto a piece of paper and give them to our... Anybody else do that? Okay, all right. So, and so this year, when I, I, there was one thing that I wanted for Christmas. I'm sure I cut out one thing, stuck it right in the middle of the page. I made it very, very clear what I wanted for Christmas. And it was one of those hockey games. Remember the hockey games with a little... Po- <laughs> Sweet! Awesome! Man, dude, you and me, baby, we'll go afterwards. And they just had these little poles, and you'd twirl the things, and you'd play hockey. I mean, I, that's all I wanted for Christmas that year, and I made it very clear to my parents. That's what I want. So Christmas morning happens, and in our house, when you went to bed at Christmas, uh, on Christmas Eve, there weren't very many presents around the tree, and then you'd come down, and Santa showed up, and it's like, man, it's like Chia Pet, you know. It's like... <laughs> Christmas presents everywhere. And, and I came down the, the stairs and I came around the corner and I had one, I mean, where is my box? Because that thing's big. And I get down there and there's no box. And I'm like, I can't believe this. I made this very clear. <laughs> I just want one thing. And I, I'm serious. I remember like opening all these presents on Christmas, like, yeah, thanks. You know, throwing it off. This, I just, I didn't care about anything. And all the presents were, un, were done. And, and, I, and I was just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, my older brother, seven years older than me, teenage kid, comes walking down the stairs, and he's carrying this huge box. Yes, thank you. You appreciate it. <laughs> no, but guys, here's why it's my favorite Christmas memory. Somebody knew what I wanted, and somebody loved me enough, and the fact it was my brother, out of all people, who loved, you know, he loved me enough to give me what I wanted. And to this day, it still hits me to say, I can't believe he thought enough of me to give me the greatest gift that I could have gotten on that day. It was awesome. Now, he beat me every time we played, so maybe that was why he actually got it for me so he could, he could do that. But, but here's the thing. God so loves you. He so loves you. He so loves the world that he gave he started this whole idea of gift giving with Christmas. Now, I will say one thing that we need to understand because some of us slip and we slide over and our, and our whole view of God gets a little skewed because we can move over here and think, man, God is so loving that he just, he loves everything. You know, he's just such a good guy. He doesn't really care. And the, the truth is he really doesn't love everything. Um, I was having dinner a couple nights ago and my mother-in-law and Susie's brother were in town and we were having dinner. And Susie made a great dinner. It was, you know, this cool little... Um, shrimp thing and some risotto. And then we had some leftovers from a, a staff thing that we had. It's a crostini little thing with blue cheese on it and, and uh, caramelized onions and uh, fig, homemade fig jam on top. Yeah. Come on over. It was good. And um, so, so we got one of these. Mariah, my daughter, she took a bite and she really liked it. And so Ashlyn, my second daughter, thought she'd try it. And she took one bite and she's like, ugh, you know, she just hated it. So she goes, man, give it to Caleb. She goes, he loves everything, you know? And I'm serious. This little dude is weird. He liked Kalamata olives when he was like two. I mean, he's just a weird kid. But he loves everything. And that's what Ashlyn said. And as soon as she said that, Caleb looked at us and he goes, I don't love everything. He goes, I don't love Satan. <laughs> and then he said, and I don't love poop. <laughs> I, I got time. I'm so glad I have a boy. I mean, I don't love Satan, and I don't love poop. And I'm like, that's good. Me neither, buddy. And see, 
but what had happened was Susie's brother has a really cool dog, an Airedale Terrier, and the, uh, he, he took him out for a walk and took Caleb with him. And every time the dog pooped, he put it in a bag and then tried to give it to Caleb as a present. And so <laughs> he doesn't like poop. So, so here's the deal. God doesn't love everything either. He really doesn't. And, and in fact, he made it really clear. In fact, I'm going to read you some scriptures. We, at K2, we've, the last two months, we've been going through a certain book in the Bible called 1 John. And John was one of Jesus' disciples who was really, really close to him. And he's just been sharing with us the last couple months about the heart of God. And one of the things that we realize, and I'm going to read you a couple verses here, that Christmas, actually, when, he, when the, and the angels came and they said, hey, Jesus is coming as the Savior, as the Messiah. See, now the reason, the only reason you'd have to come and save someone is if there's something wrong. You don't save somebody if nothing's wrong. And what's really cool, you guys, is there's some things to God that he just doesn't love. Let me share a couple of them with you. First John 3, 5, he says, Do you know that Jesus appeared, Christmas, Jesus appeared so that he might take away our sin? See, sin is just everything that's not of God. Sin, to be honest with you, at its core, is this heart that's bent towards itself. See, God is love. Jesus came and he showed love. And so the antithesis of love is thinking about yourself. And, and, and what's so great is God looks at us and he goes, listen, I love you, but I don't love you thinking about yourself more than you think about others. It is what causes all the trouble in the world. So you guys, what's so cool is Jesus appeared Christmas so that he could take away our sin. So he could take away what's in our heart that's bent towards ourself that causes all the friction in our relationships and causes eventually, as it goes out, all the struggles in the world. He goes on in verse 8 and he says, the reason the Son of God appeared, so there's Christmas again, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. See, what the devil does is everything that he can to keep us from trusting God, to keep us from following his ways, and he'll do everything he can to destroy all of our relationships. And I love how God comes in and Jesus said, listen, I'm coming to destroy his work. Because all he's trying to do is lie to you and get you to believe that if you'll think about yourself, your life will be better. It's the antithesis of God. So he came to take that away. And what's so great, you guys, is as soon as our hearts get bent from here out like this, you know what happens? You become free. You become free and all of your relationships start to change. There will be a dramatic change in marriages and in parent and child relationships at your workplaces, in school, friendships. I don't care. Anywhere you are, we have a chance to bring a love illusion to live like Christ into this world. And what he said is this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that you and I might live through him. And that's why I love Christmas. I love the fact that God so loved me that he wanted to set me free from the stuff that destroys my heart. He loved me so much that he would send Jesus Christ so he could give his life away, so he could set me free to give my life away. And now I can live. And that's life. And that's Christmas. So Jesus overcame the world. He overcame every temptation to live for himself. And because he did that, 
he was able to help change the world. And here's what Christmas is. He came so that, he, so that we could overcome the world. So that my heart would no longer have to be tied to itself. That I could be set free from the lure to live for me. And as soon as that happens, you know what? Then I can help overcome the world. And all of us just got a taste of it. $43,000 went out just because for a moment we said, I'm not going to use this for me. I'm going to use this for somebody else. And that can happen not just at Christmas time, but all through our life. So here's what I want to say to you on Christmas. Let Jesus overcome your heart so that you can help overcome the world. Let Jesus overcome your heart. Let him take over because he's love and he can change your heart. And as soon as you do, then you can help overcome the world. All right? Now, how do we do that? I just want to read for you. We're in, again, we were in uh, 1 John. And I'm going to read for you the last chapter. It's chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Just five simple verses where I think he shows us this is how you can have a love illusion in your heart so that you can be a part of changing the world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, okay, that he wasn't just another guy who lived really well, but that he really was the Messiah, is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children as well. See, so if I love God, it's just like for me, Mariah's sitting down here, and my child And I'm telling you what, if you love me, you love her. (laughs) And if you don't love her, you can forget saying you love me. You guys understand that? (laughs) All you parents know what I'm talking about. See, God feels the same way. He goes, if you say you love me, then guess what? Then you love my kids. (laughs) That's just how this works. Everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God. It's to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone who's born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, those are five verses. Let me even pare it down for you really quickly. Here's what John is saying. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, if you believe that he is the son of God, then you will be born of God. And if you're born of God, everyone who's born of God overcomes the world. Everyone who's born of God overcomes the world you now can be free to love and live in a completely different way. Let me just tear a couple things apart for you for that. The first one is this. Do you believe that Jesus wasn't just a good guy? Do you believe that he actually was the son of God? See, for me and us here at K2 The Church, we really are taking Christmas as the scriptures reveal to us that it was a miracle. 
There's a miracle that happened in that birth, unlike any other birth. There was an immaculate conception. There was an incarnation where God literally took on human flesh. See, that's a miracle. That's divine. That's supernatural. There was, I mean, all of us are not sitting here because some good guy was born 2,000 years ago. We're sitting here because we believe that a Savior, the Son of God, was born into the world. And so, and I, I just, I believe that that he was the Son of God, that he was the Christ, and that he was the Savior of the world. Now, let me just tell you guys something. Your relationship with God will completely change based on that belief. It just will. If you come to the point where you believe that Jesus was the Messiah and that he was the Savior, and you put your trust in that, that word believe means I put faith in that, I trust in that, I'm telling you, your relationship with God will completely change. You'll be born of God. And everyone who's born of God overcomes the world. Now, let me explain it to you a little bit like this. Um, Let me just ask you, how many of you, at some point in your life, you found yourself in a position where if somebody didn't come, and save you, you would have died. How many of you have actually been in a place where you needed somebody to come and rescue you, or you would have died? Okay? Okay? All right, quite a few of you. It always amazes me when I ask this question. <laughs> because for those of you who've been in that experience, you, you know how, how crazy that was. Let's, let's just go with the illustration of drowning. That's the closest one I saw with my brother one time. All right? So there's three different ways that you could, re- you could respond to a Savior if you were drowning. Okay? The first one you could do is the person could jump into the water to save you and you could do what? You could fight them. <laughs> okay? I remember I took a life-saving course. You get anybody take a life-saving course? And what was amazing to me in taking that course was they taught us that if somebody's actually drowning and you go in to save them, most of the time the person will actually fight you. <laughs> and so we had to go through that training. And I'll never forget this huge guy, Rip Muscles, Mike Mosley. He jumped into the pool and he sat at the bottom and I'm like, oh crap, I got Mike. And I remember I had to dive into the pool and when I went under there, he's acting like he's drowning and stuff and I grab him and he just starts flailing his arms and fighting against me. And it was just crazy to me to think that sometimes if somebody comes in to save you, you'll fight against him. And in our world, Jesus came to be the savior of the world. But one of the things that you can do against a Savior is you can fight against him. And so that's one option. Here's another option. Is um, sometimes, you can imagine, I was thinking of this this week, that uh, you you could also not just um, fight against him, you could work for him. Imagine this scenario. You're down there, you're flailing, you can't breathe, and the Savior comes and he gets to the edge of the dock and he goes, all right, come on, just do it a little bit harder. Okay, just come on, come on, swim, swim. You can do it. Come on, come on. And, you, and you're down in the water and you're trying to work to get saved because your Savior came. Does that make any sense? You see, that, see, that would be ludicrous to say, a Savior came. Now, and what the Savior does is just tell you how to work hard. Just do a little bit more. If you do a little bit more, eventually you'll get out. Just do what I do. I can't. I'm drowning. That's why I need a Savior. See, but Jesus comes as the Savior of the world. And many of us think, okay, so the Savior came and I'm going to work for him. I'm going to try to still save myself even though a Savior came. 
So you can fight against him. You can work to try to get saved. Or the third option is this. You can surrender to him. You can surrender to him. See, what's interesting, you guys, is if somebody actually came to save you when you were drowning, you really should just let him do what he came to do. (laughs) Right? Don't fight him. Don't work for it. You just go, yes, I'm drowning. Save me. And then he comes and he rescues you and he brings you to life. See, what the scripture says is, it's not the person who fights against God who's ever born of God and whoever overcomes the world. It's not the, I would say, probably the religious person who's down there trying to work their way out of drowning while the Savior stands there. That person doesn't get connected back to God either and overcome the world. It's the one who believes, puts their faith in, and trusts that Jesus, who came on Christmas, was the Messiah, and that he came to be the Savior of the world. And for every person, what the Scripture says, what God tells you and me today, is for every person who finally goes, okay, I give up. I give up. And you surrender to him. And you trust him. He goes, that person is born of God. And do you know what that means? To be born of God means that his nature gets infused into yours. You are now a new creation. My kids aren't normally in the service with me at all, but it's really fun to have Mariah down here and to know that this little girl is part me. And I said this a few weeks ago when we were talking about this, that sometimes you look at your kids and you go, oh my God, that's me. You see it because she's me and there's no way that she can be anything else but my daughter. She's a Nelson. Like it or not, she just is. And when you put your faith in Christ, God says, you receive me. And now you become his child. And every person who's born of God can overcome the world. How does that work? It's very simple, actually. See, for me, when I received Christ, I now have the living Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, who always says yes to God, who always loves, who never thinks about himself. He's living inside me. Now, anybody who knows me would say, uh, it doesn't look like that very often. But I can tell you this, without Christ inside of me, I am going to live for me. But with Christ in me, I have the hope to overcome the world. I do not have to say yes to myself. He can strengthen me to do that. And you know what's so cool too, you guys? If you notice in the passage, it says, when this happens, once you become born of God, you actually love God. I mean, if somebody saved you, wouldn't you be like, thank you, and you love them. And he says, and if you love him, then you do what he says. And you know what he says to do? He says, love everybody. He goes, follow my commands. And then what I love, it says in the scripture there, it says, and my commands aren't burdensome. I don't know about you guys. Don't even raise your hand. But many of you, I'm sure, have sat in church and you have felt like following church and religion is 
burdensome. <laughs> it's heavy. It sucks the life out of me. A God says to us, no, actually following my commands might be hard. It might be hard, but it's never burdensome. You know why? Because when you follow God's commands, it always leads to life. God's ways are right, and they always lead to freedom. The word victory was in there. Victory. I mean, how many guys, when somebody, I'm a big sports fan, when you see a football team and they win, they have the victory, they overcome. This is my Lions, four times this year, overcoming a deficit and winning. Now, after you win, what do you do? Go in the locker room and like, oh, man, we won. No, there's no burden in winning. See, when you win, you're like, woo, right? And what God is saying is, if you follow my commands, they aren't burdensome. You know what's burdensome? Live for yourself. Have conflict in your relationships. Have oppression and weight and worry and anxiety in your heart. That's burdensome. And what Christmas is, you guys, is Jesus saying, you know what? That's not how I live. Joy to the world. I've got good news. Peace, I leave you. Joy, I give you. Love is what I'm all about. And if you follow my ways, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have rest for your souls and you are going to be free. And I just want to tell you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. A Savior has been born and he's saving us from our sin, from our propensity to live for ourselves. Let him overcome your heart. Because once he does, then you'll help overcome the world. And you guys, we can change the world. You can change your marriage. You can change your family. You can change your workplace. As a church, together, we could change the lives of hundreds and thousands right here in Salt Lake City. And I just want to invite you, man. 2012, come join us. Let's worship the one who loves the world. Let's follow him. Let's receive him. Let's live in him. And let's experience the life he came to give us. Let's do it in Jesus' name. All right, here we go. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your son. And Jesus, thanks for appearing to take away our sin. Thanks for appearing to destroy the work of the devil in our lives who's always seeking to steal and kill and destroy. Thank you that you came to destroy his work. Thank you, God, that you sent Jesus so that we might live through him. And God, I just pray for all of us in here today. I don't know everybody who's here, but I'm sure this whole idea of you being a savior, some of us are fighting you. Some of us are seeing you there, but we're still trying to work to be good enough to reach up to you. And God, would you just speak to all of us today to help us to realize, no, I came to dive in to your world, into your heart, into your struggle, and to save you. Lord, would you help all of us to just surrender to you and say, take me, just take me and use me. Change me. Do a love-illusion, a dramatic change in my heart so that I don't have to say yes to myself, but I can be free to love so that we together could help overcome 
problems and the issues and the conflict of this world. Thank you for Christmas, God. Thank you for new birth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, we are going to close and just give us a chance to say, God, we love you. We're actually going to join the angels, right? I mean, the angels came in, our first song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. The angels who came and, and, and shouted out to the shepherds, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born, and he is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And while we do this, um, we're actually going to take our offering um, tonight, um, which we do every time we're gathered together. And can I just say, I know many of you are, are visiting and you're our guests, and we're just so thankful that you're here, okay? Just, just be our guests. But at this time, the reason we take an offering, you guys, is this is one of those deals. See, generosity just flows out of love. And if you love God, you love, you're just so grateful for everything he's done for you. And the offering that we give back to him is just a showing of our heart and our gratitude to who he is. And then all the money that we give, he takes and he goes and uses it to change the world. It's just how it works. So man, if you want to participate in that today, we're so, we'd love to have you do that. But most of all, let's just sing and let's pour out our hearts and let's join the angels in praising God that a savior has been born into this world and into your life. Let's do it together.